welcome to our Precious Marriage series as we're going through the book of First Peter. And again, not an in-depth study, and welcome to all those who are online, but not an in-depth study, but just kind of going through reading. Peter's ministering things that would uh, pertain to all of us in a sense of, are we going to be disciples of Jesus Christ? Are we going to choose to walk and to follow him? So tonight we are in 1 Peter chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up there and we are, we have a lot to share. So we're going to just dive in if that's okay. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning verse 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some did not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, ranging of hair, wearing of gold, putting on a final, fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious, or that word again, in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror." Husbands, verse 7 goes on to say, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Again, Father, we thank you for your word, and Lord, I just pray and ask, what, what an incredible portion of scripture for us, for marriages, as Peter would walk us through the role of the wife, the role of the husband, and what this looks like. Would you take your word, use it, speak and minister to our hearts, Lord. Give us, again, those ears to hear the things you want to say. And again, Lord, I pray and ask that your spirit would be telling us and, and, and we would be in agreement with what's being said, not listening for the person sitting next to us, <laughs> but we would be hearing for ourselves of what you want to do within our hearts and lives. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, as Peter is beginning this section, speaking to the wife and to the husband, the wife gets six verses, the husband yes. gets one. Peter, he's a man, so he understands ladies are more verbal, so he uses a lot more language to communicate to the ladies. Him being a man knows guys can only handle one thing at a time, so he gives us one verse, and yet that one verse will really pack a punch. But again, Peter, listen, Peter is, is continuing uh, to follow his train of thought from the last few studies which we've done. And the subject matter has been submission and what that looks like. Again, did you guys notice, if you're reading the New King James, the second word that was used with the wife and the husband? Wives, likewise. Husbands, likewise. If I was to use that word likewise, I'd be saying, hey guys, just like this. I would be pointing to something that I would say, this is of, of, of importance. It's a picture that I want you to grasp hold of. And really, that's what Peter is doing. And as he's going through this, he starts, just like Paul did, 
And Paul there in Ephesians, before he's talking to the, to the wives and then the husbands, he talks to the wives in verse 22, the husbands in verse 25, in Ephesians chapter 5. But verse 21 says that we are submitted to one another in the fear of the Lord. Both Paul and Peter bring in this whole thing about submission and, and the role that it plays within marriage. And first and foremost, we are submitted to the Lord. Again, remember our understanding. The, the biblical teaching on submission focuses primarily on the spirit with which we view people, and the real issue is the spirit of consideration and respect we have for each other. I'm going to read that one more time. The real issue is the spirit of consideration and respect that we have for each other. As well as, remember last week when we were talking about, because a couple weeks ago it was about the government, last week it was about more the employee-employer relationship, and we talked about how we can be submitted in action outwardly, but inwardly we can be in total rebellion. Total rebellion. Again, outwardly we can do that what people ask, and inwardly be in total rebellion against them. And as I shared last week, listen, I had many of jobs that I have done in my life, where outwardly I was in submission, but inwardly <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out of there. I was just totally rebellion and stuff. But that's Peter's saying, hey guys, this is not the way that it should be. Again, the likewise, husbands, wives likewise, husbands likewise, is pointing back to Jesus Christ and what he had done there in chapter 2. And again, we are commanded to follow his example. Verse 21, chapter 2 tells us, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us. And this us is really you. He suffered for you. He suffered for me. Leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. And what did Jesus Christ do? He yielded to his Father's will. He laid down his life for others. And that is really where we begin our study tonight, both for the wives and for the men. It starts to the wife laying your life down for your husband, to the husband laying your life down to the wife. And again, th this is a command that we are to deal with our spouse with the spirit of consideration and respect. And this is not a one-time deal. Okay, I respected her the day I said, will you marry me? And, and, and it's not a one-time deal. But again, it's all the days of our life. As long as you both shall live, till death do you part. This is that command. And again, as Peter would say, whether it's to the government, whether it's the employee-employer relationship, or whether it's in the home. And unfortunately, oftentimes, this, this submission is problematic when it gets into the home. We're not being submitted one to another. We're trying to, to rule and reign and tell the other person what's going on. And this is not the biblical way that God had designed us to experience marriage. So we're going to start with the first six verses with the ladies. All right, because we have more verses. We have more time. Amen. Okay, so... Uh, just as Pat said, I, I like that word likewise as well. In verse 1, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. And uh, as you pointed out, likewise, also in, it could also be rendered in the same way 
as we saw was with Jesus. And what did it say that we saw with Jesus? This is what it says in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So likewise, the same goes for us, ladies. This call is to submission, to be just like Jesus. That word obedience or submission to our husband, as Pat pointed out, it's a call from the Lord. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. And as we've talked about before, if you want to look at all the, the Greek words, it's the word hupotasso, which hupa means under, tasso means to order. Literally, it means to place in an orderly fashion under. That's the position that the Lord has given to us. It's part of his order. It's not that we're inferior. It's just the way that God has designed it. We're partners. We're not competitors. We're called to come alongside and to encourage and assist our husbands, not to dominate over them, to encourage them in the Lord. In the Phillips version, this is how that verse, verse 1 read, adapt yourselves to your husbands. I like that. That means, adapt means you need to kind of scope out what's going on and then come alongside and adapt to that. You need to fit in and not force your way. In the New Living, it says, accept the authority of your husband. Again, we live in a culture, in a world where they look at this and say, oh, man, that's a bunch of hogwash. I'm not going to accept the authority of anyone. And yet this is what God says, and God knows what's best. The idea for us as wives is to respond to our husbands as the head of the home. Husbands are to lead as the head of the home. Wives are to respond in obedience to their lead. It's not a matter of better or smarter. It's simply God's design. It's his order. In this place that God has designed for us as wives, we still have power. It's not like we're the doormat. We have the power of influence. And so the challenge here is for us as women, will we use our influence for good to encourage our spouse? Or will we use it for our own selfish des desires to manipulate him to do what I want him to do, to act the way I want him to act, to be the person I want him to be, rather than allowing him to be what God wants him to be? Uh, one of the little commentaries that I look at is Warren Wiersbe, and I loved his title for this particular portion of scripture. The title of his chapter was Wedlock or Deadlock, and I just thought that was a great example because that's the bottom line. If I choose to submit and go God's way, we're going to experience wedlock the way God designed it to be. If I don't, if I fight against it, if I dig in my heels and be stubborn and say, I don't have to listen to him, he's not my boss, it's going to be a deadlock. There's, we're going to be like this all the time. And as Pat pointed out, sadly, the number of divorces in the church is just as bad as the number of divorce in the world. So somehow we're missing God's instructions here, and we need to pay attention to these verses tonight. If actions speak louder than words, then my godly behavior will speak louder than any nagging, any demands that I make, any complaining that I might do. I need to live it and not preach it. Verse 1b says, this is the power of influence that we really have as women and as wives. Listen to what the rest of the verse says, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. That verse is telling us that non-believing as well as non-God-obeying husbands can be changed. 
being a woman of influence and doing things God's way allows him to do miraculous things. It's not up to me to fix my husband. I'm not the Holy Spirit. That wasn't my call in life. That's God's job. I just need to stand back and let God do what he does best. That verse says, one over without words. Now that's the first miracle right there. If I can learn how to not say a word and let God do what he wants to do, that's a miracle all in itself. The second thing it says, they may be one to God. I love that part. That We want our husband to be one over to God. It's, it's not a race to see who wins. Am I in charge or are you in charge? It's, if I'm playing that battle, no one's going to win. We're, there's going to be discord and unhappiness and misery in our home. But when I remember that this verse says that they might be won over to God, the, the goal here is that my husband would draw nearer to the Lord. If I don't like what he's doing, if I don't like what's going on in the home, I want to see Pat draw nearer to the Lord. That should be my goal, not to force him to be what I want, but to see him draw near to Jesus so that Jesus can fix the situation and do what he wants in our marriage. Now, you might say, how does this occur? I said the very same thing. In the verse, it says, by the conduct of their wives. That's a lot of influence, lady. Simply by the way we behave, our husband's hearts can be changed. That, that's amazing. That's powerful. So you don't have to worry about being the inferior one here. You have a lot of influence here. By our godly behavior, God can do amazing things in our homes. And that's just in verse 1. Look at what it goes on to say in verse 2. And this is in the Amplified Version. I loved how this read. When they see your modest and respectful behavior, together with your devotion and appreciation, love your husband, encourage him, and enjoy him as a blessing from God. That verse, I, I just thought that. That's what our conduct can do. When my husband sees that I live modestly, he doesn't have to worry about me being flirty out in the world. He, he feels secure that I am committed to him alone. When he sees my respectful behavior towards him, not disrespecting him, not bashing him in front of other people, together with my devotion and appreciation. Again, you know, a lot of times in marriages and relationships, we fail to just acknowledge, Guy, I'm, I'm so blessed that you're my husband. I'm devoted to you. You are the one God chose for me. I appreciate you. I appreciate that you bring home, uh, you support the family. You bring home money to, that we have to live on. You care about our family. Just simple appreciation and care and concern for our spouse. Again, we live in a world that doesn't look at it like that. It's all about me and what I deserve, and I deserve to be happy. But yet, when my husband sees modest and respectful behavior together with devotion and appreciation, that is going to win his heart. And do you know what the, the result is going to be? Well, this is what one of the versions said. They will be captivated by your life of holy beauty. And I just love that word, captivated. So I looked it up. What does captivate mean? It means to attract intensely and fixedly as by beauty or some other special quality, to enchant, to fascinate. Don't you want your spouse to be enchanted by you, to be fascinated by you, so he's not looking at all of those other beautiful women out in the world? I do. I want to captivate his heart. Proverbs 12, 4 says this, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Am I that kind of a wife? Do I captivate, captivate my spouse with my love and respect for him so that his eyes are for me and not for anything else out in this world? 
Peter is going to go on to help us learn how to be that kind of precious wife that captivates the heart of her husband by living to a higher standard, being an example for all to behold, what it looks like to be a godly woman in a predominantly godless world. Verses 3 and 4 says, they say this, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging your hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So the first thing from that verse, I have to say, well, what is the hidden person of the heart? Ladies, it's our inner self. It's the real you. It's the beauty that comes from your heart, not from the store. That's the inner person of the heart. The message says this, what matters is not your outer appearance, but your inner disposition. Cultivate inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. That's the beauty tip of the night that we should all work on daily to cultivate inner beauty, the beauty of our hearts. Now, there's nothing wrong with putting stuff on the outside, but the real work is the work of our hearts. And then you might say, from that other verse, it says, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. So what is a gentle and quiet spirit? Well, this is what the Amplified says it is. One that is calm and self-controlled, uh-oh, not overly anxious, but serene and spiritually mature. Okay, I know, I'm not all that either. I said, uh-oh, I'm not all that. That just means I need more of Jesus and more refilling of his Holy Spirit, that the fruit of the Spirit would be active in my life so that my gentle and quiet spirit would be calm and self-controlled, not overly anxious and worried and upset about things, but serene. Doesn't that just sound peaceful and restful and spiritually mature? You know, when a husband comes home to a home, that is calm, there's self-control, there's not a lot of anxiousness going on, but it's serene and peaceful. He notices maturity. That's going to be a husband that's blessed to come home to that. Remember, they won't be won over, excuse me, they will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. They're going to observe it. It's not that they're going to hear it from us. We don't need to be preaching at them or nagging at them or tearing them down. They need to see it in our lives. When we as wives choose to live for Jesus, that is beautiful to behold. People will watch. Our spouse will watch. Your children will watch. Your neighbors will watch. They'll see something different in you when you live for Jesus and Jesus shines out of your inner heart. And it might even win people over to him. Now here's a little infomercial for us ladies. While we shouldn't be overly concerned about the external, our husbands do appreciate us doing our best to be attractive for them. As the old-time preacher, Jay Vernon McGee, used to say, if the barn needs painting, paint it. So ultimately, though, what's important is that the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, a heart that's submitted and obedient to Jesus, that is very precious to God and very powerful to influence a man. Proverbs 31.30 says this, Charm is deceitful, beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she sh shall be praised. Strive to be beautiful spiritually. It will show inside and out. Verse 5 says, For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves by being submissive to their own husbands, who put their hope in God. So I get from that verse, 
Number one, put my trust in God. Put my hope in Him. He's the only one that can truly help me. Ephesians 5.22, I think Pat alluded to that already, said to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That's where the important part is. Colossians 3.18 says, as is fitting in the Lord. The New Living said this, they put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. So when I put my trust in God, then the next thing I need to do is just accept the authority that God has given him. That's the way God made it. We won't be disappointed trusting in the Lord. He's always faithful. He can even take our failures, our mistakes, the things that go wrong in our relationship, and still use them for good if we allow him. Remember what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. When I put my trust in Jesus first, it's much easier for me to submit to my husband. In fact, it's the only way that I can learn to submit to my husband because then I know and trust God is faithful and he is in control over us and over our relationship and over our home. In verse 6, um, Peter goes on to give us an example in Sarah. It says, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, if you were to go back into Genesis, I looked up a couple of chapters uh, beginning in Genesis 12, we're not going to go there, but just really quickly an overview. Sarah's life, Sarah's life and marriage were not perfect by any means. Yes, she followed Abraham and he uh, went about. So for you ladies maybe that have moved or feel like, oh, he can never make up his mind. You know what? Sarah can relate. She had to lie for him. Well, actually he lied, but she had to go along with it twice with the Pharaoh and with Abimelech. She had to live through the shame and the depression of being barren and having no children, providing no heir for her husband, which was a huge deal in that culture. She ended up giving Abram her maid so that they could conceive a child, which resulted in jealousy, hurt feelings, anger, and all kinds of ugliness. She even laughed at God when he promised that he was going to allow her to conceive. She laughed at God to his face. When he spoke, she laughed. He knew what he was doing. Even though she was 90 years old, he promised that she would have a son, but she laughed. And yet we see that God honors her obedient submission to her husband. The Lord uses their issues to convict and correct her husband Abraham when he wasn't following the Lord as he should, as well as he cultivated in Sarah's heart that inner beauty of, a, of just a quiet and gentle spirit. And he records it all for our sake that we might learn from her example. God is faithful. He will protect and guide us as we trust him. There's nothing for us to fear if our lives are surrendered to him as wives, even submitting to our husbands. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff, ladies. Uh, guys, for us, again, verse 7, one verse. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Again, first, it's the likewise, and that likewise, the command to follow Jesus' step, who, as we learned last week, suffered, died for us, who yielded to his Father's will. He did not allow deceit to be part of his life. When he was insulted, he did not return the insult. They called him every name in the book, and he did not respond. When he was abused, he made no threats, no no vengeance, and as we talked about last week, when it comes to our marriages, 
um, drawing lines in the sand, threats, ultimatums should not, should not be a part of our communication with our wives. We need to follow in Jesus' steps. So first and foremost, we're called to lay down our lives for our wives. Just like Paul, Ephesians 5.25, husband love your wife just as Christ of the church and gave himself forth. That's the first thing. Okay, and again, I don't know about you, but I can't get past that verse. And so I find it interesting. So many guys, they don't want to go there, but all they want to do is look at their wife and, and point out what they're doing wrong when our command for us is like near impossible and, you know, and, and, and we get to spend the rest of our lives trying to accomplish that. But again, that's what it is, is to lay down our lives for our wives. And then we see Peter exhorting the Christian husbands to give their wives two gifts of love, understanding and respect. Dwell with them, he goes on to say, with understanding. And again, that word dwell, it means to reside together as a family. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. Oneness is what your wife desires, or at least it's what she desired when she first got married to you, to be oneness. That's why God created the marriage, so we would experience that oneness. And again, guys, listen, your wife did not get married to be alone, to be left alone, to be all by herself. She got married to dwell with her husband. And she desires that we would dwell with them, dwell with them. Again, to be involved in the family, to be involved in family matters, to be involved in the, the life of the kids. That, that means you're dwelling there. You're actively involved in the things going on within the family. Listen, I've had a lot of ladies tell me, my, well, my husband's there, but he's not there. He's on the phone, he's on the computer, he's sitting in front of the TV, but he is checked out from the family, and that is walking in disobedience to what God's word would say to us, that we would dwell with our wives with understanding. I read this quote on these verses. It said this, said, men, do not give your wives an excuse for delinquency. How can a man expect his wife to be faithful to him if he be unfaithful to her? Again, when we're out or we're going to go spend the night somewhere and we decide, you know, we're not going to say anything or, or we just, this is not according to God's purpose and plan. It, it brings about things that are unhealthy. Scripture would say, hey, this is not how we are called to live as men. We are to dwell with them with understanding. And again, that understanding, uh, it, this is not, okay, what every woman wants or, or some guys think that they know exactly what every woman wants or they can figure it all out. And yet, I, I don't know. I, I'm not so sure that that can happen as a guy. Uh, I think guys are pretty simple, but ladies are a lot more complicated. And yet, for us, listen, this Greek word for understanding comes from the Greek word gnosko, which is experiential knowledge, knowledge by experience. Listen, I could tell you... It's actually someone who wants counseling. Another happy couple. <laughs> Another happy couple. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> they should have tuned in. <laughs> they should be tuned in. 
Listen, I could tell you about the enchiladas my wife made this last week and how incredible they were. And as I was eating them, and I had them again tonight, the leftovers, but oh, they were so incredible. But I could describe it to you. You could know a little bit about those enchiladas, but it's not gnosko. It's not experiential knowledge. But if I brought them in and sat them in front of you and you actually took them and put them in your mouth, you went, oh my gosh, those are incredible. Now you have experiential knowledge. And this is really what Peter's saying for us, that we would have that experiential knowledge that we are involved and we're intimate and not the sex thing, but intimately involved in her life in all aspects of her life. And this, again, this is the way in which God made us. God, women are very different than men. The Bible says in Genesis that God took from the dust of the earth and he took the dust, he fashioned and formed it. He breathed into his nostrils. He made the man and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living being. But again, that's where he made man from the dust of the earth. He did not make woman from the dust of the earth. He made woman from the side, which tells me she is radically different. And again, you can go out and get those books that talk about that. I, you know, and actually I started reading those books because Paul here would command us say, hey, dwell with your wife with understanding. So I want to understand this incredible gift that God has given me. But again, I know when I first got married, I thought she thought like I did, responded like I did and all of that. And I found out very quickly that was not the case. I mean, she, again, we have men, we have these little tiny manly feelings and emotions and stuff. Women have a lot larger feelings and emotions and stuff. Radically, radically different. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over one difference, and the difference is uh, there's a problem. There's a problem in the marriage, and a way a man deals with that problem, a way a woman deals with the problem, a way a man deals with the problem. Men are compartmentalized. Men want to take that problem, open up a box, stick it in a box, close the box. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. The more I talk about it, the worse I feel. This is how God made me. Okay? That is not a woman. A woman with all her feelings and emotions, she needs to talk about it. The more she talks about it, the better she feels. So you have one person who doesn't want to talk about it, one person who needs to talk about it, because I want resolve. You put them under the same roof. What happens? The same thing. You have this going. But this is how God made us. He made us radically different. When we first got married, those differences used to frustrate me. They did. They, they frustrated me. I just didn't understand. Then I come here to 1 Peter 3, 7. Hey, Pat, dwell with your wife with understanding. This is an incredible gift I've given you. You need to learn who this woman is. Don't be so frustrated by those differences, but understand. And hence, I start reading books. I start doing all this stuff of learning about women and, and how they, you know, they function and, and what's going on within them so that I can dwell better with her. And this is God's command for us, to dwell with them. Listen, men, either we embrace those differences or we will wrestle with those differences. I know the first few years of our marriage, I wrestled with those. And all that wrestling did was cause issues between the two of us. And me kind of walking around, well, I don't get it, I don't get it. You know, you know why, why are you so emotional? I remember one time when she was pregnant and I walk in the door and she starts, she looks at me and she starts crying. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what the heck did I do now? I, I don't, I know I did something. And I'm thinking, what was that? And it was just, no, she's just, that's her. She's emotional. God made her this way. And yet for me to get frustrated with her because she is just responding how God made her, 
That's not right. God would say, hey, husband, dwell with your wife with understanding. Understand her. Embrace the differences so that we don't have those problems. Then he says this, giving honor. Giving honor. Again, here's another word for that honor is precious or valuable. I read this quote when I was reading some um, different people, but it says here, it says, Peter here elevates the wives to a place where they had never been in society. For everywhere among the pagan and under all false systems of religion, woman was regarded as worthy of very little honor, very little respect. She had been considered as a slave or a mere instrument to gratify the passions of man. And it is one of the elementary doctrines of Christianity that woman is to be treated with respect. Listen, when Jesus came on the scene, he radically transformed the role of a woman. And Peter, Paul, they both kind of chime in with that same thing of, in a sense, it's, it's, she's not the slave. She's not the... <laughs> Sorry, I was going to share something from someone, somebody that was yelling at me the other day. I just want sex with my wife. You know, and I'm like, whoa, 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 come down. Is it really that's what it's all about? No, come on, dude, you're supposed to honor her, honor her. And again, men, we are to honor her. We're to honor her emotionally, understand that she has all these different feelings and emotions. We honor that. We, we don't put her down for that. We're to honor her physically. Again, as I talked about a little bit last week, we are never, ever to touch our wives in any way than, than what they desire and is welcomed, ever. God is not okay with that. We shouldn't, we shouldn't go there. We're to honor her sexually. Listen, nothing should ever happen in the marriage bed that she is not completely okay with. And if we're trying to do something that she's not okay with, we're wrong, it's not right, it's sin, because we're not honoring her. And yet it tells us that we honor her as the weaker vessel, as the weaker vessel. I wrote this quote, speaking of the weaker vessel, and it said this, it says, it's like being more delicately and consequently more slenderly constructed. Nice. <laughs> roughness and strength go hand in hand, so do beauty and frailty. The man, roughness and strength, the woman, beauty and frailty. And yet when we come together, when we come together, we, we, we make that thing of one. And no one is higher than the other. That's why, like Paul, submitted to one another, fear Lord. Peter would say, likewise, husbands, sorry, husbands, likewise, wives, likewise. And again, and again, when it says the weaker vessel, it, you know, this is a guy, you know, you, you drop it, you drop it, it, it doesn't break. But, but she's not this. She is this, you know, precious crystal vase that could shatter in a million pieces. And again, this is what it's speaking. We are to honor her as a weaker vessel. Now, listen. I love this because he gives us two commands there. Dwell with them according to understanding. Uh, dwell with them with understanding and honor her as a weaker vessel. Now listen, when we walk in obedience to what God's word says, when I will honor my, when I will dwell with my wife with understanding, when I will honor her as a weaker vessel, the, the next thing that happens is being heirs together of the grace of life. When I'm walking in obedience to what God has asked me to do, I bring life into the relationship. Men, you have opportunity to bring life. Just like a woman is given this influence over a man, and God uses that influence, and if the woman uses it to honor God, she brings life into the relationship. Men, God has allowed you to say, if you walk in obedience 
Dwell with them with understanding. Honor her as a weaker vessel. You bring life into the relationship. Again, God's always saying, and he says it in the Old Testament, choose life. You know, he gives us an option. There's life, there's death. Blessing, curse. You guys get to choose. I get to choose. And each and every day I have the choice to make. Do I want to make it a choice of life or am I going to make it a choice of death? Listen, if we choose to not walk in obedience to what God's word says and we choose to say, I'm going to treat my wife however I want. It's kind of like if my son-in-law came to me and he said, Pat, I'm going to treat your daughter, uh, I'm going to treat her bad, I'm going to cheat on her, I'm going to beat her, I'm going to, you know, do, do mean things to her. You're okay with that, right? And I'd stop and go, no, I'm not okay. And never will I be okay with that. I told you when you married her, uh, she's my little princess, and I expect her to be treated that way. Listen, men, in the same way the woman sitting next to you is God's daughter. And you cannot treat her any way you want to treat her and think that God's okay with it. God is very, very specific, as we've just been reading in his word, of what he commands, the way in which we are to treat his daughter. We are to dwell with her with understanding and honor her as a weaker vessel. If we choose to not walk in obedience and treat her however we want, this is what the Bible says. God says, Pat, you can pray to me all you want, and I'm not going to hear your prayer. I'm not going to hear your prayer. Which again, you know, all the commentaries say that Peter said this to try to, to motivate men to be kind to their wives, to be nice to their wives, to treat their nice well, their wives well. And again, I, I think it needs to go beyond that. This is for me, every time I read it, and I teach this all the time, it's the two by four over the head of St. Pat. You be very, very careful of how you treat my daughter because I'm looking, I'm watching. And, 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 and if you don't treat her right, I'm not going to listen to your prayer. And I don't know about you men. I know for me, I'm a sinner. I need God to hear my prayer each and every day. And when I read this verse where God says, Pat, if you act, if you conduct yourself in this way, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to take heed to that. You don't know how many times I've been talking with a couple and the husband will basically just be telling me he's treating his wife he doesn't care what God says, however he wants, but he believes he's right with God and he believes God is listening to him. That man's deceived. Listen, God desires us to experience life and yet that life comes when we are walking in obedience to him. Men, we need to walk in obedience to God's word. We need to dwell with our wife with understanding, honor her as the weaker vessel. When we do, we experience his grace in his life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, again, we do thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you for your word. As we go through your word, Lord, it's incredible. It's, it's amazing. It's wonderful. Would you continue to use your word to speak and to minister to our hearts of your hope and your peace, God? Um, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Pray and ask you just continue to watch over each and every one of us. Lord, for the wives thank you for what you spoke tonight would you encourage them lord to use that influence to honor you to really be more concerned with what's going on inside than really the external things and god help the wives to truly trust you as sarah did lord to trust you and for the men lord we want to experience life in the relationship and that comes by dwelling with our wives with understanding and honoring them as the weaker vessel. So thank you for 
walking us through this. Now help us to put that into practice each and every day. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people agree by saying, Amen. Amen.